Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Jesus, we invite you into this place. God, come and do what only you can do. This is your house, God. And we are desperate, Father, desperate for a touch from heaven this morning. Jesus, Jesus. So there's this, um, this really cool story in the Gospels. I want to read it to you this morning in Luke chapter 5 it says one day while Jesus was teaching some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat they tried to take him to Jesus but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd so they went up to the roof They took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your son, your sins, son, your sins are forgiven. I love this story. I love it. I love it because it's like threefold, right? It takes, it takes lots of things to see a miracle in the house of God sometimes, right? It takes all of us. First thing is it takes the healing power of Jesus. And I just want to say this morning that in this church we believe in the healing power of Jesus in every situation. The second thing that it takes is this paralyzed man being vulnerable, saying, I, I know that I'm hurting. And I know that I need Jesus. But even more than that, it takes his, his courage to say, I can't get to Jesus alone. I need help. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I, I need Jesus, but I don't really know how to get there. That's okay. It's okay. It's a, that first step recognizing that you are in need. And the, the third thing that this we see in this story is the faith of friends, right? This man in his vulnerability says, I know that I need Jesus, and I know I can't get there alone, so would you help me? And the faith of his friends, they not only carried him from where he was, but when the crowd was too big, they carried him up to the roof, ripped the roof open, and lowered him to the feet of Jesus. It's the faithfulness of community and friends. So this morning we're going to do something and it might it might be uncomfortable. And that's okay. I think a lot of times Jesus calls us out of our comfort zone to see growth. But maybe you're like the paralyzed man this morning and you need help. Maybe you've come in this place and you need a physical healing from the Lord this morning. Maybe you're in this place and you need help from mental torment 
against depression, anxiety. God, we speak against those things this morning. Right here in this house of miracles, we speak against those things. Maybe you're in a place in your spiritual walk where you feel like dead, dry bones, and you need revival to your spirit. He is still a God who heals today. And maybe you're not like the paralyzed man. Maybe you're thinking, Mackenzie, I'm, I'm in a good place. I feel good in my spirit. I've got nothing wrong with my body, right? My mental health is clear and good. Friends, it is your responsibility as the community and the fellowship of the house of God to support those in need. So this morning, if you are like the paralyzed man and you need a physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual healing this morning, I'm going to ask that you lift your hands. Come on, right now in this moment, don't be shy. Be vulnerable like the paralyzed man. In his vulnerability, he saw a breakthrough from heaven. So right now, lift your hands. Hands up all over the place. Now, friends, if there's someone around you with their hands up, I want you to be bold. Turn. Put your hands on them. We're going to lay hands on the sick, and we are going to ask for healing. Maybe if there's no one around you, move. It's okay to get out of your seat to pray or extend your hands towards people. But right now, Father, we come before you boldly in this house, your house, Father. We ask God for miracles in this place. We ask God for your Holy Spirit to move in a way that only you can. God, we ask right now for physical healing of bodies. God, you are the great physician. So right now in this place, we ask for alignments of spines. We ask for an alignment of bodies, God, that joints may be strengthened. God, that muscles that are tense be released right now in the name of Jesus. We ask... I ask, Father, right now for someone who's been, who has been um, struggling with chronic headaches, chronic headaches for years, right now, if that's you, lift your hands in this place right now, that that affliction be gone right now in the name of Jesus, right now in the name of Jesus. We ask, Father, that in this moment, those dealing with an emotional burden, God, we speak against anxiety, depression, isolation in this place, God. We speak, God, for spiritual revival in the house of God this morning. Father, we ask boldly, we come before you, God, in your house that you may do what only you can do. This is a house of miracles. Jesus, Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you for your faithfulness for your power, for your grace, for your love. God, we thank you for community and friends. And we ask boldly, God, for miraculous experiences in your presence today. God, we ask all of this in your name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, thank you. Oh, what a powerful moment. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Mackenzie. And uh, man, what, uh, just what a moment, right? Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse number 
17 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters, your sons and daughters, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And I'm just telling you that I'm grateful to be part of a church that doesn't silence the voice of women. I'm so grateful that we're part of a church that sees that God speaks prophetically through men and women. I'm grateful to be part of a church that God has anointed pastoral men and women in our church to preach the word and to prophesy. And I'm grateful for the group of lay people, men and women, that he has anointed for prophetic moments like that. Can we give God praise this morning for it? Mackenzie, wherever you are, thank you for your obedience and the sensitivity to the Spirit this morning. And I believe that in this house of miracles, some of you just experience God working in your hearts and your lives and meeting the needs that you have today. Well, listen, every week we say this and we mean it. We're so glad that you're here, that you've joined us in person, that you've joined us online, and we're just grateful that you would call this your church home. And when you call it your church home, it means we're family, right? So we just love being part of this family, and we're grateful that you've decided to be a part of it. Last week, we kicked off a new series in the book of Proverbs. The Bible is a collection of 66 books, and the entire thing is the inspired word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16 and 17 says, all scripture is God-breathed, it, it, all scripture is breathed out of by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. So this book, the Bible, is a collection of 66 individual books written by approximately 40 different people over a course of 1,500 years, and it's in this book that the book of Proverbs is found. Each author, as they wrote, wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The book of Proverbs is a collection of wise sayings, primarily from King Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived. In this series, last week and in the continuing weeks, we are going to look at the multiple nuggets of wisdom found in this book and the themes found in this book and consider practical ways that we can apply them to our lives and shape us into who God wants us to be. There's so much wisdom found throughout the entire Bible and especially in the book of Proverbs. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. I said this last week. I'm going to give the same challenge this week, and it's this, that as part of your daily routine, that you would open up the Bible on your phone, go to the free Bible app, find it, or open up a paper copy of the Bible and read the corresponding Proverbs to the day of the week, or, or excuse me, the day of the month that it is. And last week it was so encouraging as some of you texted, called, emailed, and you shared uh, how much the message spoke to your heart directly last week, and you've also shared how reading the Proverbs this week has impacted your life. I'm just gonna ask that you would keep doing that. It's been faith building for me, it's been encouraging to see as you're diving into that discipline and allowing the word of God to really speak to your life. This Monday, tomorrow, is Valentine's Day. Some of you are like, who cares? For others of you, you're like, oops, I got to get a present for my spouse. I hope Walgreens is open after service today, right? I hope Love and Lace will open early tomorrow so that, uh, and I hope they still have flowers available for me uh, to get something for my spouse. So I'll just tell you, I don't personally get excited about Valentine's Day because living with Erica every day is Valentine's Day. <laughs> That's right. 
That's right. My wife was the one playing the keyboard <laughs> this morning. You can, you know, whatever after service. But anyway, she's amazing. And uh, if you were preaching this day and you had a chance to win like that, you would have said the same thing, right? So uh, it's, it's good. This uh, holiday draws our attention to relationships, right? It's impossible to, to ignore it. We walk into any stores right now and there are hearts everywhere, like hearts pointing to this is the season of love and relationships. It's impossible to go anywhere without seeing it. And for those in a loving relationship, it causes you to be like, oh, I gotta get something for my significant other. I better get a gift to demonstrate and show my love or schedule or plan something nice. For those of you who are not in a relationship and you're interested in being in a romantic relationship, then Valentine's Day for you is a sour holiday because you're like, when in the world am I gonna ever be able to experience this holiday and celebrate love with somebody? For others of you in this room, you've lost your loved one. And so Valentine's Day is a mixed bag of emotions because for some of you, there's the, the joy in remembering uh, those moments together, but also the sorrow that they're not still here to celebrate with you. And so today, with the backdrop of Valentine's Day coming, I thought it would be fun for us to look at Proverbs and see what the Bible has to say about relationships. And some of you are like, oh, great, I don't want to listen to a message about romantic relationships. Well, you can tune back in. Uh, the majority of this message is not about romantic relationships. And uh, so let's dive in this morning. We're going to read Proverbs chapter 27 and primarily pull out all of these points and, and ideas and nuggets of wisdom from this chapter. Chapter this morning, Proverbs chapter 27. Uh, I'd encourage you to read along on your phone or in your paper copy of the Bible. It'll also be on the screen. Here's what verse 1 says Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad, that I may answer him who reproaches me. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger, and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for an adulteress. Whoever blesses his neighbor with, neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit and he who guards his master will be honored. As in water face reflects face. So the heart of a man reflects the man. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and a man is tested by his praise. Crush a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his folly will not depart from him. Know well the condition of your flocks, and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure to all generations." 
When the grass is gone and a new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and maintenance for your girls. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Lord, as we dive into the nuggets of wisdom this morning, I pray that it would settle deep within our spirits and that today we would walk out of here with the commitment that we want to be wise, not foolish in your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at Proverbs chapter 27, the first relationship that I believe it addresses is found in verses 1 and 2, and it's the relationship with self. How many know that we all have a relationship with ourselves? We either love ourselves, hate ourselves, think too highly of ourselves, think too lowly of ourselves, or somewhere in between. And none of us can escape the relationship we have with ourselves. We can't ignore ourselves. We can't ghost ourselves. We can't move away from ourselves. We are stuck with ourselves. The Message Bible is a translation of the Bible that uses some pretty common English language and it makes the Bible read more like a story. And here's how that translation uh, says of verse number one of Proverbs chapter 27. Don't brashly announce what you're going to do tomorrow. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. The person who brashly announces what they will do tomorrow assumes that everything is within his or her power and that's simply not the case. None of us can be assured about tomorrow. And thinking about the relationship you have with yourself, don't have too much confidence in yourself. This is what the, the, the writer of Proverbs is saying. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. Don't have too much confidence in yourself. And in verse number two of Proverbs chapter 27, he says, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. I have never met anybody who loves to listen to somebody brag about themselves. Not one time have I been around somebody who's like, you know, pastor, I just really wish I had more friends who like to brag about themselves. The writer of Proverbs is saying, let the praise come from somebody else's mouth, not your own mouth. Even when somebody is exceptional at something, we don't want to hear it from them. Right, And if somebody truly is exceptional at something, then others are going to sing their praises. So this morning, there was a funny thing that happened in between services. I ran into the Cluel family and the Miller family, and I just, as I walked down the hallway uh, with them, I said, well, isn't that amazing? Two amazing families from our church, beautiful representation of our church, and one of them said, is that flattery, Pastor? And I said, no, I'm just singing the praises uh, of you. And, and then uh, I think it was Jackie looked at me and said, well, you are the most handsome pastor ever. And I was like, wow, that felt amazing. <laughs> this is how it works, right? That we would sing the praises of others, that we, would, uh, that we would do that and not sing our own praises. The other thing is when someone is, uh, well, I already said that. Throughout the Bible, we see wisdom in Scripture about not thinking too low of yourself as well as not thinking too highly of yourselves. In many ways, as followers of Jesus, a healthy view of ourselves should be intuitive. But for many, it's not. 
The reason why it should be intuitive is because as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't have a lowly view of ourselves because uh, we don't think too low of ourselves because we recognize as followers of Jesus that we are children of the Most High God. So for us to think too lowly of ourselves is to disrespect and devalue our heritage that we have as children of God. And so we know that we are not our own, that we've been bought with a price, and that God values, places tremendous value on each of us. The next extreme is to think too highly of ourselves. The Bible has plenty to say about pride. The solution to this is not to walk with false humility. The solution is to recognize where our success comes from. Success in anything is not because of our own doing, but instead because of Christ working in and through us. And so we recognize where our help comes from, and this helps us keep a healthy view of self. The final element in the relationship to self that I want to address this morning is this love-hate relationship that people have with themselves. Proverbs chapter 19, verse number 8, begins with whoever gets sense, right? Whoever gets sense, whoever has common sense, whoever has a brain, loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will discover good. The Bible puts the love of self in its rightful place. Such love includes caring for yourself, respecting yourself, and having a sense of self-worth. And this is in contrast to idolizing yourself, which is what our culture tells all of us to do. It's all about me, and me becomes an idol in our lives. And the Bible speaks against that. There are some that I would imagine in this room and watching online who hate themselves. They hate themselves because of what's happened in the past, or they hate who they've become. And I just want to say to you this morning, if you're a person who hates yourself because of your past, I want to encourage you today to lay it at the feet of Jesus. Ask him for forgiveness from your past and move on with the future that he has for you. For those of you who examine your life and you hate who you've become, I just want to say to you this morning that you still have breath in your lungs. It's not too late to change. Right, so the thing that you hate that you've become, confess that to Jesus. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform you into the man or the woman of God that he's called you to be. It's not too late to change. The next relationship that we see addressed in Proverbs chapter 27 is our relationship with others. Do you know that if we can figure out our relationship with Jesus and figure out our relationship with ourself, that our relationship with others comes a lot easier. How many relationships have you seen broken down because of a lacking relationship with Jesus and a poor relationship to self? As we look at Proverbs has to say about relationships uh, with others, these ideas can be applied to all relationships. Proverbs chapter three, the Message Bible, talks about a relationship to a fool. And it says it this way, carrying a log across your shoulders while hefting a boulder with your arms Carrying a log across your shoulders while hefting a boulder with your arms is nothing compared to the burden of putting up with a fool. That's a pretty vivid image. Balancing a log on your shoulders while hefting a boulder with your arms. And there are some of you who are super strong in this room and you're like, I got this. I can totally put a log on my shoulders and balance it and carry a boulder at the same time. But for most of us in this room, that's an impossible feat. And the writer of Proverbs is saying, if that's impossible for you, 
then think about how much worse it is in relationship with a fool. And so what do we make of this? First, I would encourage all of us to not be fools. Right? Don't be a fool. Let's make a commitment to live as wise people unto the Lord. The Bible defines a fool as someone who is senseless. And Proverbs uses this word fool 71 times. Secondly, don't react to a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him yourself, is what Proverbs chapter 26, verse number four says. Don't react to a fool even when the fool's actions and words are irritating. How many of you have interacted with a fool whose actions and words are irritating? Just a couple of you? No, okay. It's striking a nerve here. And Proverbs says don't engage them at that level. We've all been at the store when a parent has absolutely lost it on a kid. Right? When a kid absolutely loses their mind in the store, and the parent, rather than rising above that situation, rising above the foolish nature of the child, look, I'm not judging you. I'm saying we've all been there, right? I'm telling the story. A friend did this, right? You know what I'm saying? And rather than rising above the foolish nature of the child, you say, not only Am I going to engage the child in a foolish way? I'm going to stoop below the foolishness of the child. And now as the child has lost it in public, you have lost it in public, and you've embarrassed your child, you've embarrassed yourself, and everybody who was around who was witness to any of that is embarrassed by what they just saw. The writer of Proverbs is saying, don't be like that. How many times have we been provoked by a fool and become foolish ourselves? Let's recognize the wisdom of Proverbs to not be foolish and to not react to and sink to the level of someone else's foolishness. Here's a warning for those of you who are in a dating relationship. If you are dating a fool, ask yourself the question, does the image of carrying a log on my shoulders and carrying a burden with my arms sound like fun for the rest of my life? Because I'm just telling you this morning that it doesn't get any better than what it is right now. Every married couple in this room will tell you that marriage changed nothing about their spouse. So if you are dating a fool right now, they're going to be a fool even when there is a ring on the finger, and so it's just a warning to you. Don't ever come up to me and say, nobody ever told me. I'm telling you this morning, consider yourselves warned. And what an image to think about, balancing a log on your shoulder and a boulder, and Proverbs says, is worse than that. I'm I'm gonna say one more thing. There are some of you who are like, but pastor, we are people of faith. I just know that God's gonna change his or her heart after we get married. I would just encourage you to be a person of faith on the front end, not a person of faith on the back end, right? And that you would be a person of faith who expects results. And until that foolish person changes, that maybe you would even call off that relationship, right? And so maybe it's a word for some of y'all today. You're like, I gotta break up with this person. And then let them change, see the change take place, and then consider whether or not God wants you to get in a marriage uh, relationship with them. So men, please don't marry a fool. Women, please don't marry a fool. And again, don't be like no one ever told you. We just told you you've been warned. As we continue to look at what Proverbs says about relationship with others, let's look at verse number five and six. 
Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. How many of you have ever heard the term relational evangelism? Okay, a couple of you. Relational evangelism is something that uh, specifically missionaries have used overseas with the idea that I'm going to establish a friendship with somebody because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So on the surface, this sounds like a really good idea. I'm gonna build a relationship with somebody and then after the relationship is built over time, then I'm gonna share the gospel with them and share the faith. And some of you are like, well, that sounds like a really good idea. And on the surface, it does. But watch this. If I were to uh, meet Wes outside of church, we've never met before, we don't know each other, and for the next few months, we carry on in conversations and we talk about everything under the sun. And at that three-month mark, I say, Wes, man, I just have to tell you about the most important person in my life. My wife, Erica, is absolutely amazing. She's incredible. We've been married for almost 20 years. Like, can you imagine how stupid that sounds? He's going to look at me and really doubt the love that I have for my wife because it took me three months to tell him that I'm even married. So think about this. Our identity is tied to the fact that we are followers of Jesus. Why in the world would we be in relationship with people for a long period of time and never tell them about the most important person in our life, Jesus? So think about it. Some of you have worked at a place for years, and people don't even know that you go to church. Some of your family members don't know that you're a follower of Jesus because for whatever reason, you thought, I'm just going to keep this to myself. And I just want to encourage you, as followers of Jesus, that talking about him would be so natural that it would just roll off of our tongues in every relationship. That we wouldn't wait months when we start a, a new job or months when we sit in a new classroom with somebody, but immediately the praise of Jesus would be flowing out of our mouths and that we would be sharing the gospel with them. Tyler Metcalf preached a couple of weeks ago in youth a very powerful message, and he shared the story about the lunch table at school. And he said, if there's an open seat there and somebody is walking into the lunchroom and sees that open seat, how do they feel about going and sitting there? For most people, it's gonna be difficult to just go plop down on that seat. But when somebody turns around and waves and says, come on over and have a seat there, how much more easier it is to walk up to the table and to have a seat there. And so Pastor Levinsky and I get to lead the seventh grade boys small group on Wednesday nights, and I'm just telling you, I love telling people that because they think I'm a martyr. Oh, you're a saint, seventh grade boys. And I'm just telling you, they are incredible. The church's future is bright. These are world changers right now in seventh grade, and they're only going to get better. Yeah, you can clap for that. And so Pastor Levinsky and I, are, we have our small group on Wednesday night with these boys, and I share that illustration with them, and I said, you know what, what we have on Sunday mornings and what we have on Wednesday nights is so special. It's actually, it's really amazing. And I said, I guarantee you that there are kids at your school who see what you have on Wednesday nights, and they want to be a part of it. But to them, it might as well be the lunchroom table. because they don't know how to get in. 
So even though we post service times, all of this stuff is so intimidating to walk into a room uninvited. And I said, I guarantee you that if you would just invite some of these kids, it would be the thing that opens up the door in their life where they could experience life change and the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. And it's just an invite that will do that. And I say the same thing to us this morning. I think that image is already settled in your spirit and you can envision people, neighbors, coworkers, friends, classmates, that you know would love to experience this, that a social media post isn't going to do it, but instead a waving of the arm, come on over, there's room for you. There's a seat by me next Sunday. I'll pick you up, I'll meet you at the door, whatever. So we talk with others about Jesus, let's let it be at the forefront of our minds and at the beginning of relationships, not towards the back end. As we think about our relationships in light of these verses, it should lead us to do a couple of things. Proverbs 27, two reads, let another praise you. As followers of Jesus, we should be the most generous people on the planet with the praise that we give to others. We should be the most encouraging friends ever. We should find the things praiseworthy in people and celebrate what God is doing in them. On the flip of this, if we're not true friends, we're not true friends if we're unwilling to address the sins, the flaws, and the blind spots in our friends' lives. So if you're truly friends with someone, you'll not be afraid to correct a friend. And here's what a fool does when a fool is corrected. A fool makes excuses. It's your fault. If only you, if only I had all of this. That's what a fool does when corrected. A wise person, when corrected, adjusts their behavior. And even beyond adjusting their behavior, a wise person, when confronted, will actually thank the person who confronted them. Let's be wise people, right? When somebody comes to us in love and sees things in our life that shouldn't be and they confront us on that, let's be wise people. God, I'm sorry, let's move along. Thank you for showing me the blind spot that existed in my life. A good friend, according to Proverbs, is one who will show or demonstrate love by bringing correction These verses tell us that sometimes true love may be hidden in a rebuke just as hatred may be hidden in a kiss. Correction is hard and it may feel like an attack, but it's the truly, it's the kindest thing somebody could do for us. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And the next verse takes a, a break from relationships with others to address our relationship with things. In verse number seven of the ESV version, it says, one who is full loathes honey, But to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. The Message Bible says, when you've stuffed yourself, you refuse dessert. When you're starved, you could eat a horse. The one who is full loathes honey. What happens when you eat at a restaurant like we did on Friday night? Z's, whoop, whoop, had a soft soft opening uh, Friday night, invited a few people there. They open Tuesday night, go there, uh, eat their food. But I'm just telling you. Like, we had appetizers and then the meal, and so when the server comes by and says, do you want dessert, what's your response? Like, it's clear I like dessert. But I was so full that I couldn't fit anything else in my stomach, so even though looking at the dessert menu looked good, I wanted to try some of that stuff. There was no part of me, because even the things that I like, even the things that I enjoy, because I'm full, I I couldn't even think about enjoying it. And here's what happens in life. The more you have, the easier it is to become less grateful. The less you have, the more you appreciate what you have. The person who's walking looks at the person who's riding a bicycle and says, oh, what it would be like to not have to walk everywhere. 
to be able to have a bicycle to get from here to there. And once the person gets a bicycle, then they're grateful that they have the bicycle. This is amazing. I don't have to walk everywhere anymore. I can get there a little bit faster because I have a bicycle. And they're happy and content with the bicycle until they see the guy on the motorcycle. And they see the guy on the motorcycle, and now they want the motorcycle, and they get the motorcycle, and now they realize they can get to the place a little bit faster. They don't have to use the physical effort of walking or pedaling the bicycle anymore. Instead, this is getting them there, and they're happy and content with that until they see the person with the car. And then they say, oh, what it would be like in the 40 below weather that we live in here in Waverly, Iowa, to not have to be exposed to the elements on a bicycle, <laughs> or on a motorcycle, but to have the shelter of a car and the heat in the car to blow on that, and you get the picture like it never ends. And it's almost like it's easier for us that the more we get, the next level that we achieve, the less grateful that we are for the stuff that we have. Remember the story of the prodigal son? Things were good for him. He had it made, but he didn't appreciate what he had, and so he actually went to his father and said, I wish you were dead so that I could have half of my inheritance, but since you're not, can we just pretend like you're dead? And can you go ahead and give me that inheritance so I can move on with my life? The story says that the boy went away, he squandered it on wild living and squandered all of his inheritance away and found himself eating from the trough that the pigs eat out of. And he recognized if I was at home, the servants at my father's house are taken better care of than what I'm living right now. I'm gonna go back home to my father's house and tell him I'll be a servant. Right, and the story has an empty, a happy ending. The father greets him on the way back, welcomes him back home. There are other details. The brother's not happy about it. He's jealous, you know, wishes he was still gone, whatever, you know. The bottom line is that that individual was not grateful for what he had until he lost everything. He wasn't grateful for what he had until he lost it all. When it comes to our possessions, we should start from a place of gratitude for God's provision. Like we should recognize that everything that we have comes from him and actually belongs to him. Everything that we have comes from him and belongs to God. As followers of Jesus, we should view our possessions as things to use and when it comes to people, that we would love people. And too often, we get these things confused. We use people and love things. And so I just wanna encourage us as followers of Jesus to love people and use things, not the other way around. The next series of verses really deals with the idea of living in community and having strong familial relationships as well as communal relationships. And uh, it, it even says that some communal relationships that have close proximity can be stronger than blood relationships that are further apart. There are a number of things that we can draw from this. One is you've heard me say it over and over and over again that uh, living our lives as followers of Jesus is not an individual sport. Right? God has called us to live in community. I met with an individual yesterday that's going through incredibly difficult circumstances. And he was telling me about the friends that he has from our church that have just absolutely surrounded he and his wife. And he shared that in moments of celebration they've been there, in moments of mourning they've been there, in embarrassing moments they've been there. And as he described all of this stuff, I just looked at him and I said, you are the richest person on the planet. Look at what you have. There are people who go their entire lives without a friend like that. 
And look at you, this group that's been with you for so long. And so in this moment that you're navigating, you're not doing it alone, but you've got a community around you. And listen, I just know there are some of you in this room and watching online right now, and you're like, oh, to have that, that would be amazing. I just wish I had one friend like that. And I just want to encourage you. Find somebody and be the friend to them that you wish somebody would be to you. Start there. Small groups are a place where you can find community. Find Pastor Dan, find me, Pastor Levinsky, Pastor Fisher, Pastor Madison, Pastor PG. Like find somebody today if you're not part of a small group and say, I want to be part of a small group. We'll get you signed up. We can find friends that become family who see us up close and personal and can call us out on our junk. Verse number 14 talks about this idea of the right word at the wrong time is the wrong word. It says, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. And all the night owls said, amen. <laughs> a non-morning person is going to view your loud greeting in the morning not as a blessing but instead as a curse. As we consider when to heap praise and bring correction to a friend, it's wisdom to make sure that the time is right. The very next verse says, and, and before I read this next verse, I just have to tell you, if you're sitting beside your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, uh, do not squeeze their hand. Don't prod them. Don't look at them. Don't snicker. Like, I'm just warning you. Here it goes. A nagging spouse is like the drip, drip, drip of a leaky faucet. <laughs> you can't turn it off and you can't get away from it. This verse again is a tremendous warning for single people in the room. If you're dating somebody who is a nag, or who is always quarrelsome, it's not going to get any better once you get married. So think about that. Think beyond the lust in your eyes and say, is this how I wanna spend the rest of my life? And again, I go back to pray for the person, pray that God will change them, but don't get married until God changes them. Because the Message Bible says it's like the drip, 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 drip of a leaky faucet that you can't turn off and you can't escape. For those of you who are married to someone who's always nagging you, be honest with yourself and see if you're contributing to the problem. And you probably wouldn't be nagged if you would simply just do what you said you were gonna do to begin with. The idea can obviously extend beyond romantic relationships. True friends can improve each other's character, but nagging only irritates. The next verse in this is the verse that we've named our men's ministry after, Men of Iron. Verse 17 says, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. When iron is rubbed against another piece of iron, it shapes it and it sharpens it. And we can help others improve by giving praise, having respectful discussions, sharing blind spots, giving suggestions, and encouraging freedom from sin. 
And Proverbs tells us that these types of relationships make us better. May we be the type of people who make others better. Finally, with verse number 19, as in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. When you look at still water, it reflects your face. And the heart of the man reflects the man. We need to be more concerned about our heart rather than our outward appearance. And when it comes to others, we need to be most concerned about their heart rather than their outward appearance. So in every relationship, when we live out the wisdom of Proverbs, we're better and we make others better. I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you say, today I wanna enter into a relationship with him. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. I want him to forgive me of my sins and give me a fresh start. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God but you've turned your back on him. You say this morning, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him when I count to three. Why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Are there others this morning too? Are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's stand all across this room. There were at least two hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I would encourage you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my Savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. Thank you, Lord. If you prayed that prayer in person or online today, we would ask that you would text the word yes to 319 250 8998. Again, text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you in the decision that you've made today and the journey that God's going to take you on. At the end of each service, we give an opportunity for those who've come needing prayer for anything to come forward. So the prayer team's going to come forward at this time. The worship team is about to lead us in a song. And as they do, if you've come today needing God to do anything in your life, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat as soon as they begin singing and come forward for prayer this morning. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.